You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Play Tessie, episode 21. If you're listening on drop day, it is January 3rd, a fresh new year, 2024, which means that this is the official podcast, official podcast of being out with the old and in with the new because it is 2024. I've got COVID. I'm going to be struggling through this. I, I've just tried to do the intro like four times. Um, so I'm just going to like, I'm gonna get right to it. Yeah, I'm going to get right to it and let the guys kind of take it away. Uh, so episode 21, the Roger Clemens episode. No one else has worn his jersey since because that is the absolute right thing to do. Retire the goddamn number, as Joe Castiglione would say. Fuck, dude, I'm so out of it. I'm going to piece this together so hard. Fuck. Oh. Leave all this in, please. Yeah. No, <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'm just going to. All right. So it's the new year. I got COVID. I literally tested with it like a couple hours ago for those listening. I'm going to be having the sniffles. It sucks. What a way to start off the year. It feels a whole lot like what the Red Sox reports have been since the Chris Sale trade. We thought that maybe they were going to be spending a little bit more money on free agents. All the news coming out right now is likely saying they're going to be on the trading market much more than the free agent market. Craig Breslow, come on, man. You are saving grace, but we're going to jump into a whole lot of that because this is the unofficial podcast of being out with the old and with the new, aka the official Red Sox podcast of WEEI. That's going to kill me later of the Boston Red Sox. Gordo, just take it away. Take it away. Dude. I can't believe I, you just did that. I can't believe you attempted that. That's like that's like a kid with like a sprained ankle who hasn't skateboarded in three years, like trying to like flip on one of those half pipes. Are you calling me a make a wish kid? No, no, no. Just a just a sprained ankle. You know, I'm okay. not I'm not I'm not taking it that far. If if you stumbled a little further, I could have gone there. 
I mean, this is my dream. Just doing a show with you guys. Yeah, man. Coop, you're fighting through the pain. And and we don't even have Sammy today. No, he's up in the air right now. Sammy is sky high somewhere over the United States. He's flying all the way across the country from Seattle to Boston. Boston, So he's probably where where is he over right now? I say he's Minnesota. Yeah, we'll say he's over Minnesota. Little Birdie told me he has George Kirby in his suitcase. Ooh. Hot rumors. I love that. I love that. Um, not so much of a rumor. I mean, like, are at, do they trade for Kirby? I don't think. No, they I, don't th- I, don't I don't think, think Seattle, Seattle gives up Kirby. No, I think. Well, I don't even know if they give up Gilbert. I think Bryce Miller's the one that they might move. It's interesting. Like, I feel. I forget where I heard this. I don't know if this was a reporter, if I was just talking to someone, but I someone told me that they might be more interested in dealing Kirby than the other guys. But I I find that weird. I hope yeah. that's true. But there was that report today from Catillo that said that the Mariners might be in the market for Paxton, which is interesting because if you count out their starters and help me out if I can't remember them all. So you got Kirby, Gilbert, Wu, Bryce Miller, Luis Castillo, forgot the best one. Yeah. And Robbie Ray coming back. And then Robbie Ray coming back midseason. Tight, tight pants. Very tight pants. I saw him at the winter meetings. He was out there in Nashville. Oh. Walked right by him one morning. He was yeah, he was just walking walking down the hallway. I didn't see him. On his own or with his agent. By himself. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing. I think he's from there. But weird to be there because it's not like he's like up for a contract or anything anytime soon. And he's not going to pitch for half the season. He's, he's just, just there recruit. for the vibes. Just recruit. You know, the, the the Gaylord Hotel, that place is kind of a palace. So he literally might have just been there for the vibes. He yeah. might have gotten there like two months earlier and gotten lost in it. Like he was, he was just trying to find his way out. He was looking for Nelson Cruz in the lobby. <laughs> oh, Nelson Cruz all over the. No, I didn't see him. But you know, he is he's the lobby king of the winter meetings, as we know, oh, yeah. as we all know. Classic John Heyman tweet. But yeah, if they uh, if they sign Paxton, I mean, he was at he was at the Winter Classic in the owner suite, so like that could definitely be a thing. And if that happens, like your antenna should be right in the sky because yeah. I mean they're they're not going to sign Paxton and keep all of those guys. I assume Luis Castillo is being kept, and they can't trade Robbie Ray because no one's going to want Robbie Ray. So might be it's bad. Yeah, it's bad, but. They'll have they have four young guys that anyone would want. Anyone would want any single one of them. And the Sox would obviously be a match. So if that if Paxton goes there, those rumors are gonna be hot. Yeah. Yeah. I think if Seattle can close on Paxton, I think in the back of their head, they know that they have some really good offers on the pitchers that they do have. If they can get Paxton they'll be able to capitalize very nicely. And I'm not even saying to the Red Sox. I'm just saying based yeah, on smart. teams that need legit frontline pitching, Seattle's got four. Four, six, but four that they would move. Or right. might move. And they need bats. And yeah. It, like they, it makes there's sense. a lot of there's a lot of team and like it's they're they run the market if they can get Paxson. Because if they want major league talent there's plenty of teams out there who have either prospects who are MLB ready or MLB ready or MLB guys who they're willing to move for pitching. If they say, you know what, we're going to go out, we're going to sign a bat. We want some top frontline prospects. They'll get that from anyone. 
they really get to dictate what they want in return. And it's crazy because they'll get exactly what they want. I'm just dying. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Coop put himself on oh. mute and almost passed away. No, just he's coughing. Back. No, no, disregard Pat, me. It's, but you're- it's interesting because, and this will be a good segue into our into our next thing, but for a team like the Red Sox, and there's plenty of teams like the Red Sox that have no intentions in all likelihood of giving out nine-figure deals to Snell or Montgomery. And honestly, those might be the only two nine-figure guys left on the pitching market, at least. So if you, the, the Mariners, can sign Paxton and make one of those guys expendable, you're going to get a haul. And honestly, like the Red Sox might be a good fit if they sign an outfielder because they've got multiple MLB-ready Outfielders with five or six years of control that that they could send there in a package. And obviously it's frustrating as a Sox fan when you hear things, hear reports that don't say that they're in on pursuing like the frontline starters on the market. The reports say that actually they're trying to shed payroll in all likelihood Kenley Jansen so that they can pursue a free agent unnamed I think it's Teoscar Hernandez, but yeah, unnamed. I do too. Uh, but yeah, I mean those those are that report from Catillo over the weekend. Just to to recap it, his report said that last year, twenty twenty three, ownership gave a mandate that the team had to stay under two hundred twenty five million, which for reference is eight million dollars less than the two hundred thirty three million dollar luxury tax line. And that this year, right now, they've told the agent of a player that they want to pursue, that they need to shed additional salary before they can actually pursue said player fully. And this is notable because the Red Sox are some 40-something-odd million dollars under the luxury tax. And in my opinion, it's pretty ridiculous. And I don't even want to say borderline embarrassing. It, it is embarrassing that they need to shed payroll below $40 million or, or to get, get payroll more than that, more space than that, to pursue a free agent. And and if my thinking here is right, it's not even like it's like a front top tier free agent. Like Teoscar is like a good player, but it's not like you're clearing up space to sign Shohei Otani or something. Yeah. I think in like, I might be, don't get me wrong. I think it's absolute bullshit that they're playing the, like we need to cut salary card to go get this guy because in no world are they a broke or B have a reason to cut. You were under the luxury tax last year. It reset. You should be more than comfortable going over. I think if there's kind of a bunch of moving pieces in terms of like, okay, if we're going over the luxury tax, we want it to be like Craig's team. Like it, it, he, this has to be a team where if we go over, this is a team that he thinks can win. I don't think he's going to go over the luxury tax to add a piece to Heim's team that he doesn't like. So if the kind of revolving door of moves is, let's say you send Kenley out and then you go and you do, you get a Snell, a Montgomery, and then you also bring in like Teoscar. Like if there's a bunch of moves following in like these sale and Kenley, like salary casualties lead to bigger moves. Cool. Fine. I I understand because maybe inevitably they're cutting to go over. We don't know. That being said, if you traded sale 
and you go on to trade Kenley, and it comes out that the two free agents you told we're cutting money so that we can really give you what you deserve are James Paxson and Teoscar Hernandez, there should be riots at Fenway. That is insane to me that you can't even keep. We have firsthand witnessed how excruciating it is to watch a baseball team without a bona fide closer. You have one on the roster. Granted, is he probably overpaid at this point? I think you could argue either way. The reliever market's pretty aggressive right now. But, I mean, Kenley's, what, 36, 37? One year left. Whatever. If you trade him away and you try and roll the dice on an in-house option that does not work out, the playoff hopes are gone before they ever started. If you can't close out games with your, as of right now, lackluster rotation, you have no shot of winning A, the division, obviously, and B, I don't even think you make the wild card. That's another dead last finish. If you cannot close out games and piggyback off of good starts from your, as of right now, shit rotation. Okay, but like we we talk about them needing to make a move that kind of pushes them to that playoff spot. And if they want to be flexible and be able to like have that, you know, ability to actually spend, that means that Montgomery or Snell is likely in that mix because otherwise no one else out there is really worth that amount of money that's going to push you over the tax threshold. And that would even like come close to it. Cause like what would we say 36 million right now? It's changed. Cause I, I forget what the sale deal does to it. Cause I, th- I, I it might be back up to what it was. It's like, because right now spot track has it at 139 for the 26 um, man payroll and for Check the total payroll. payroll. 163 um while you're talking i'll run to socks payroll and see okay uh but so that kind of means that they would have to acquire by trade and i'm not even sure there's any i mean like that's where we go back to the discussions that we had last month where we really got into well marcelo meyer is likely going to be someone on the chopping block if we do want to bring in someone that makes this rotation somewhat of a playoff contender because like even right now I don't think the Red Sox are a playoff contender if you put I don't like you would you would seriously need to get a uh, like a Montgomery or a Snell in that rotation before I even consider them a wildcard team Pat like you're right on that and I don't think there's any other guys out there that if they go out and sign I'm actually that excited like Giolito was an awesome signing like it was something that the Red Sox finally did, but he's not anywhere close to someone that pushes you into that range of, oh, this is a wild card team. Like, I think everyone still looks at the Boston Red Sox as being flat out non-contenders, especially in the AL East. So it's kind of like when you look at it from a business standpoint, is Craig Breslow going to go all out and spend John Henry's money when the MO from ownership for the last four years has been don't spend money if you're not going to go out and win. I mean, 21 was the closest that they got and Schwarber seemed like the only acquisition that seemed like the biggest burden that he wanted to bring in. So a, you have the option of Craig Breslow is willing to take the hit, have a mediocre year, just like what Heim Bloom did to get his ass fired or B he's going to spend money that slightly pushes them over the tax threshold or close to it. 
without any results. So it's kind of like he's in a lose-lose situation right now, and I don't really think there is any way out of it for him. Like, they can do their best and cross their fingers and hope to put out, like, an entertaining team at the very most. I don't really see it getting any better than that. And maybe that's pessimistic coop with COVID right now. And, you know, as soon as I get over this, I'm going to be like, oh, Red Sox are back, baby. But it's likely right now that they go into spring training and we're still at the same spot where I'm not too confident on them really securing a wild card spot. Well, Coop, here's the thing is, I think most Red Sox fans, at least the ones who kind of understand how the whole cat and mouse game with the luxury tax works. Most of those people would say, I'm okay if you don't go over it every year, but the years you don't go over it, there's no excuse to not be right up against it. And by the way, I checked Sox payroll as of now, as of recording, it's about $36 million under the tax. So if you're telling me that your plan is, yeah, we're going to shed Kenley so that we can sign Montgomery and Teoscar and stay under, and that's our plan. Hell yeah, I'm all in for that. But the thing is with baseball, it's not like it's like basketball where you can never go over this hard cap line. So you're going to have to shed payroll first. Like they could trade Kenley after you sign these guys. They could trade him at the deadline and save half his contract. Then, like, there's no reason you have to do it now. And that's that's what's a little bit scary. Like, if their plan was to sign Blake Snell with this and go up to the tax line, we're all okay. But where I and I got upset on Twitter and and I stand by everything I said. Um, but where I was at there was if you're gonna have a budget that's eight million dollars below the luxury tax line or anything. If you're going to if your budget's going to be anything other than the tax itself or something higher than that, then that's that's at the point where I start saying what the hell are you even doing owning this team? And I don't want to hear cuz I heard way too many people on Twitter giving ownership the benefit of the doubt and saying that that was room for mid-season additions. I don't know why people were so quick to jump to that because A, that's not what the report said. The report said they set a budget. And B, they didn't add any salary at the deadline and they were firmly in the playoff race and they didn't add salary. So maybe what made it so hard to navigate the deadline for Heim Bloom and maybe part of the reason he didn't add players is because he had to maneuver ownership's self-imposed budget. I People got really mad at me on Twitter for saying that Heim Bloom deserves an apology and I'm not saying Heim was perfect. I, I do think that all of what you hear about him not being able to necessarily pull the trigger on trades and him being a little it takes shy two in that to regard. Like that's ultimately what it is. It's true. But I do think that there's this there's been this narrative among, amongst people in Boston that Heim Bloom changed like the mindset of the team and they they have this raised mindset because of Heim Bloom. No. Ownership changed their tune after 2019 after they signed Sale and Evaldi to those extensions and neither of them looked that good and they said screw it we're going to fire Dombrowski and we're taking a different approach this is what we're going to do playoff the playoff picture expands more teams make the playoffs and we don't need to be this dominant team we don't they don't think they need to spend money that's that's why they op- have operated the way they have that's why to this point Craig Breslow has continued and I think he's done a good job I tweeted this too I think he's done a really good job considering the uh limitations he's been given the self-imposed limitations, I should say. But yeah, it starts with ownership. This this stuff always starts at the top and you can point right at it with this. Did the comment about 
and this was from Craig Breslow after the Grism sale trade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did the comment that he made about thinking it's a good move for Chris Sale because it puts him on a team that's likely to make the playoffs in the NL, did that bother you guys at all? Because um, it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way where it's just like, oh, we want to we make sure that he's on a contender. I, I think the way that I interpreted it was, so I didn't know this, is that once you've served 10 years in the league, like you get your 10 years of service time and you get five seasons with the same team, you get an automatic no trade clause, the 10-5 rule. Yep. So I think when he said that, I think he was more so alluding to Chris Sale was okay with this trade because he knows he's going to a good team. Like, And that's he why he waived the no trade. Yeah. I don't think that was more so like we want him on a good team. I think it was more so like Chris understands how like – Chris understands how his one-year contract affects like our outlook on what we're trying to do, but also he wanted to be on a good team. I think that's kind of what it was. I don't think it was, we're going to suck ass next year. We wanted him to have at least one good I think it was the rationale behind him being okay with it and why they felt good about sending him there, if that makes sense. I don't no, that think makes was, sense. Yeah. I it think just, think it just more so through. sucks to hear it out loud that he's going yeah. to a team that's actually... They have yeah. a better shot at contending. Yeah. But real just quick. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just better. a tad bit with like a couple, you know, multi year contracts of hundreds of millions of dollars. It's whatever. But just real quick, players. tying back to the luxury tax, because I want to touch on something Gordo said. I don't think I'm okay not going to, I'm, I'm okay going to the luxury tax not over this year. If it looks like the years 2016 and 2017, those two years, you ha- you got pieces in place. They got Porcello in. They got Price in. They got Kimbrell in. They slowly kind of built around that core of Devers, Bogarts, Mookie, Benny. If you can kind of replicate that in terms of, let's say, so Giolito, I'm not really going to count because it's a one plus one. But if you go out and you trade for a Lizardo and you go and you sign, we'll say like Teoscar, and you're not over the luxury tax, but you have a competitive baseball team where next year you're able to go, your move to go over that is we're going to go sign Max Fried. We're going to go sign Corbin Burns. We're going to go sign Walker Bueller. If you, if you have the foundational pieces there in you wait until next year to go over. I'm okay with it as long as you're not recklessly spending like the Mets or the Padres. And also, you're putting those pieces together where you are that one move away. So were they were they under in 16 and 17? And then they went over in 18 and 19? Is that how it went? Let me I, don't think check th- that. I don't think they were over three straight years. So I think you're probably right. And 
No, I, I fully agree with that. And and to go back to a point you said before, because uh, you, you were talking about Jansen before and like why you don't want them to subtract him. I think that the Red Sox bullpen is in a good enough place where if there is a self-imposed budget and like obviously Craig Breslow can only operate under the restrictions he's been given. It can't be John Henry can't tell him you've got a $225 million budget and Breslow come back to him and be like, okay, we're going to spend 240. So he, he can only operate under those guidelines and restrictions. So if your bullpen's in a good spot and you can free up maybe like 10 of that 16 million you owe Jansen to spend on other areas of need, I'm for it. I think, like you said, there is a path to contention, even without breaking the bank, it's going to, take some pain in other areas in terms of trading prospects. Cause you're right. The Red Sox still lack a number one starter. Like I, for whatever reason, my head keeps going to Lizardo. Maybe it's cause Rosenthal had that report that he yeah. was on the table for a I'm trade to the Royals. So yeah, that's where my head keeps going. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so there's a path, a path to that and a creative path. And to be honest with you, like if there is honestly, regardless of whether there's a self-imposed budget, I think Breslow has made some creative moves this offseason. The trades I, he's made are all they're they've all been good. And it leads you down that path to that competitive roster despite having a self-imposed budget. You got $36 million to play with. Let's say they free up another eleven million from Jansen and maybe they make like Tanner Hauk the closer or something. Now you're at like forty-five million. You want to get an outfielder, you want to pay another starter, and you want to trade other stuff for Lizardo or whoever that isn't making all that much. You'll be below the tax. You'll have a competitive team and we can at while we are still upset at ownership for not going over the tax and not being full throttle as they said they were going to be, we can simultaneously say that Craig Breslow had a good offseason and did a good job. Like both are possible and and honestly like I've already given up on the ownership thing like the full throttle thing is not happening from a financial standpoint. But that doesn't mean that we can't have a team that's competitive. Like that is still very possible. Like tons of teams with low to mid payrolls are competitive every single year. And as much as it sucks and we don't want to be one of those teams, we want to be good and spend money and have cool players. At least let's just be competitive. It is very possible, even in the AL East. Yeah. And I think I think Breslow, I'm not saying he's at that point. I'm just talking in terms of kind of navigating a self-inflicted budget. He's making a lot of David Stern's Brewers type moves. Like he hasn't really made a move where I ha- not I haven't been hands down biggest fan of this like Verdugo, I'm very cool with it. I Verdugo had to go. I am on that boat, have been for a while. To the Yankees, I mean whatever. It's ballsy. But it is. But there hasn't been a move to this point where I have thought, what, why we lost that trade? Because no. there were some with Hein. I, I, obviously, we're not going to address the Mookie situation. But like the Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. and David Hamilton, I was like, what the hell is that? Heim, or Craig Breslow hasn't made those moves. He's been extremely savvy and very picky. Whatever he has traded away, he has replaced with probably, I would argue, equally good cheaper option like he traded away Verdugo for Tyler O'Neill Tyler O'Neill is way more upside than Alex Verdugo we've seen the best Mm -hmm. with Alex Verdugo Giolito that was a signing that 
I think you were like, regardless of what you did, you had to make a move like that. You had to pay somebody to be like an inning eater, whatever. Craig's done a very good job. If there is a self-inflicted budget, like we think he's been very, very savvy and has made nothing but smart baseball and financial moves. I have like no qualms saying by the beginning of February on paper, they will have a better roster than they did last year. I, 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 feel I, I hope so. And I think so. And and to be honest with you, like if your one fear about Haim was that he was afraid to pull the trigger, you can't like, it's so obvious that Breslow is not that because yeah. he's made three where he's made more than because he traded Urias, whatever he's made three notable trades so far. He, he, the first one, he, the first notable trade he made was sending Verdugo to the Yankees and not even getting like a key major league piece or anything in return. He's believing in his guys. He's believing that this is going to look good at the end, at the finish line. These pitchers are going to be something and Verdugo is going to just be a one-year rental, whatever. He trades for Tyler O'Neill. No, like there's, you can't complain about that. Like that's an obvious high upside move. Even if he's a rental, they, they gave up nothing. nothing. They gave up nothing. And then you trade sale to the Braves like that. I don't like as I I don't think Heim should have been fired. I thought Heim was doing a good job considering the restrictions that were placed upon him and the goals that were set for him, mainly focusing on the farm. But Heim does not make that Chris Sale trade. He doesn't. I don't think he makes any of them. And the Chris maybe O'Neill, maybe O'Neill. The O'Neill one I could see, but he's not. He he could have traded Verdugo to the Yankees. He didn't. Like that. Yeah. Tra- like he there was Verdugo trades to the Yankees on the table. The Yankees he said they were trying to get sale. him for years. And yeah, he he didn't trade sale to the Rangers, which was on the table reported by our good pal Bradfoe. So, yeah, I don't. I believe that at the finish line, it's gonna look fine. I just we got to be having two separate conversations. There's the ownership conversation, and there's the Breslow conversation. I think as fans, and you brought Pat, you you mentioned the point before about hoping that they go out next offseason and sign like a Max Fried or something like that. At this point where I'm at on that stuff is just, I'll believe it when I see it because it's been so long since they've done that. And certainly for a pitcher, even though it's their greatest need, it's obvious. It's obviously also the greatest risk is investing big money in a starting pitcher. And John Henry just hasn't wanted to do it. It's what they need. And like, like the, the believer in me wants to say, oh, they want to take one more step forward before making that big investment next offseason when there's so many great starting pitchers available. But then the other part of me says, well, there's a, there was a lot of good starting pitching available this offseason. They didn't they didn't invest in any of that. And not only that, they refuse they have to this point refused to trade for rental starting pitchers that they could just extend. And I think they would be a little bit more open to that if they were prepared to like to pay those guys big money in the offseason. So I'm I'm tentative, like I'm very cautious on that because it like it makes all the sense in the world. But like, I just don't know how you can get there as a fan right now, having seen what we've seen from them. Do you yeah. think like they look at what the Yankees? Because we just twenty twenty four, we just came up on the fifteen anniversary, fifteen year anniversary of the Red Sox or the Yankees winning their last uh, World Series in a season. Obviously, it will be in October uh, that the true anniversary will be. But do you think they look at that any bit, and they're just kind of like? Hey, if if John or if uh, Hal Steinbrenner 
and the Bronx are able to weather 15 years of not winning a, a World Series, these fans can certainly go through the bet, like, can go through it as well. Now, given like the Yankees have still gone out and spent, they've still tried to actually put together a competitive team. However, they it's haven't done fun. it. And maybe that's an indicator to John that, hey, like we can go through 15 years, not spend. And we're still going to have these like rabid fans still there. Like we're still going to have the demand that we still had back in 2019. Like, Did you guys from- see the Jerry DePoto comment earlier in the offseason where no. he said we just need to win 54% of our games? Yes. Oh. He said that's so the goal he, every year. Yeah. The goal every year, the goal is to put a team on the field that can win 54% of the games every single year. And which I, he said that. But I think that's exactly what Red Sox ownership is thinking because at the end of the day, we've seen it every year. The playoffs are a crapshoot. Like we had two 90 win teams in the Actually, no, the Diamondbacks were an 84 win team in the World Series this year. It really is just about getting in and you can get in on low payrolls and it's not it's not as entertaining of a product for the fans. But I think that's their mindset is that we don't need to break the bank and and like stretch ourselves in that way because all of these That's teams an 88 win season. game season by the way, 54%. That's not bad. Yeah. No, it's not bad, but like if you it what he's but what he's also saying there is that like we never want to put ourselves in a position to go all in. Like in theory, it would mean that like if we have a team that can win 98 games, we should trade a piece for something that can help us in the near future because we can sacrifice some wins today for wins tomorrow. I'm a little bit afraid that that's the Red Sox mindset. And it, it may not be a bad thing. Maybe it's a good thing. Like if we get to the playoffs every year, we'll be happy. But like, I just want to see them like do something. Like it's the winter. It's so hard to get through this shit anyway. Like I just want to but see like them the difference. And like, I don't, I don't mean that's like me saying, oh, well, it's that's only like that's 88 games. That's still good. Like, I don't mean to sound like a John Henry apologist because I'm very much not on that board right now. Um, But it's also with the fact that like, hey, the Red Sox are to be considered a big market team like you hear it on i feel like i hear it every day on mlb network now where it's just kind of like well the red Sox are a big market team however they're not operating like it and uh it, like that's where it does get frustrating and that's kind of like where fans should start to really start like wonder like why am i investing my own time in this and we talked about it on breaking boston before the holidays and that the red Sox very quickly when they hit opening day are going to become even more relevant if they don't do anything else because you're going to be having the Bruins who just won and the Celtics who are most likely going to beat the crap out of OKC as well um they're going to be in the playoffs they're both number one in their their conferences not just their divisions their goddamn conferences in the east and they're probably all going to be going back and hopefully making a longer run for the Bruins but the Celtics will be at the Eastern Conference Finals again. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that. That would be disappointing if they aren't there. So the Red Sox are already dealing with trying to find attention. Like they're going to be coming out of the gates being already irrelevant, and they now have a team that isn't attractive on paper. And you're also dealing with all these outside noises of, well, does John Henry really care about this team? And I know that these are two different pools of money, and I hate this argument, and we've been seeing it on Twitter. But with Mbappe, like John Henry owns Liverpool and Liverpool right now is number one in trying to get. Is it Killian? Yeah. Killian Mbappe. Mbappe. Like I know his last name just because that's how good of a player he is. He's probably going to fetch like 
a Shohei Otani type deal, but in the soccer world, because that is what you are seeing out of everyone. What did he turn down from the Saudis? Didn't he turn down like over a billion dollars down a billion. for a year? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my God. I swear. Because you're right, Coop. It would be a Shohei contract and it would probably be that caliber of money for fewer years. And this, the, like, and I see so many people talking about, oh, like, these are different budgets. It's unrelated. They're just different portfolios. Like, you can't But it shows the where the attention is lying at right now. Yes. And it's like, if you can afford to spend seven, eight, nine hundred million dollars on Mbappe, like I don't want to hear it about baseball players are expensive, which is a quote from John Henry. Like they could be doing that here. I get that they're different ent- entities, but the 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 pockets are the same. the The source of what the water comes from the same pipes. Like if they could, if they can be in on Mbappe. How are we not signing Yamamoto? How are we not getting Otani? How are we not trading for Soto and then extending him? Why are we not trading for Corbin Burns and extending him come the offseason? Like, these are discussions that we're told we can't even have. And and we're getting reports of interest in Mbappe. Like, I totally understand if people why people get mad about that. It made me mad. Yeah. I mean, like it's a knee-jerk reaction type thing, but you don't have those knee-jerk reactions unless you're doing right by your fan base to begin with, and you haven't given your fan base any reason to this point to have any faith in you. And, and like, that's that sucks. The guy gave the city four championships and he still can't get any benefit of the doubt. It takes a lot to get there. Yeah. And, and I don't like, that's just kind of, I'm hoping for new as, as pessimistic. And like I said before, hopefully I get over COVID and I'm much more optimistic, but I, I'm pretty pessimistic in 2024 and I'm needing to kind of like set up some goals, maybe not just for myself, but maybe for the Red Sox in, in the new year and, you know, set up some resolutions. And I guys, did do you guys have any resolutions for the Red Sox this year? Boy, do we. Oh, let's let's get into that real quick. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, Pat, do you want to start us off? I'll kick it off because it we kind of a perfect segue. So... Coop, you said it earlier, like the Sox are a big market team. They have to behave like it, but blah, blah, blah. And they they are. They unanimously have a top 10 payroll every year as long as I can remember. That being said, and I, I'm like genuinely here asking for recall. When was the last time the Red Sox legitimately paid a free agent starter not named David Price? So sale doesn't count. Porcello doesn't count. Yeah. Beckett doesn't count. No one. Pedro I mean, doesn't Paxton? Giolito? contract, though. <laughs> when was, okay, let, let's rephrase it. When was the last time they handed out a starting pitcher contract for lo- more total money than Giolito? So let's say $40 million or more. Pat, do you have the answer? No. This is like a legitimate question to you guys. <sighs> My point being here, the way the Red Sox have 
Oh, well, I guess probably Schilling, right? Or no, he was the free agent. Yeah. David Wells? How much did they pay David Wells? David no, Wells. it can't be that. There's got to be something. That was a wild time. Ivaldi, Ivaldi got to free agency and then resigned. Does that count? They paid him in no, the because he I, was, No, I would say that's like, I know they waited till free agency, but I would say that's pretty much trading and extending. Yeah. My point being in this conversation is they, aside from David Price, they've never had a track record of breaking the bank for a free agent starter. But I mean, look at all the names we just listed. They've made a very, they have a very good track record of trading for legitimate frontline starting pitching and extending. That is the route, obviously, that John Henry feels comfortable with. From a financial and baseball standpoint, that's your best bet moving forward. You have to go out. You have to give up Marcelo, Teal, Roman to get Luzardo, Kirby, Gilbert, Wu, any of them. Because that's what you do as the Red Sox. Then you extend them whenever. Because you do that all the time too. Pedro, Beckett, Sale. Like all these guys who brought you to championships. You traded for. They loved it here and they signed. And based on where your team kind of is. Your time frame. Trading for a 26, 27, 28 year old starter with 3-4 years of control. And extending him in a year or two. That's your sweet spot. That's what's good for you. And you've done it a million times before. So my New Year's resolution for the Red Sox is get uncomfortable, trade something substantial, get yourself a young, controllable frontline starter, and do what the Red Sox do. I love that, Pat. I, I'm a fan of that. I've, that's, I mean, like we said earlier, like that is the only way that you actually get out of this hole that you're in. And I, I guess that kind of segues to my next uh, resolution. Uh, very simply, I I don't want to see any embarrassing bird's eye view shots from the press box of how little attendance there is at Fenway Park this year. Like, it's a very simple thing. It's probably going to happen. I know that happens every once in a while. Uh, but it's just like when that started happening at the end of the year, it just got so tired. And it started happening like even earlier in the year. And it's always in a sense of nobody really shows up for first pitch. Like it's never really been that way. Like you can even take like 2018. You could take a picture of, you know, the attendance in April at like the first inning. You're going to be like, hmm, kind of low for a Red Sox crowd. That's just how it is. Um, But when you get into the fifth inning and people are taking pictures of the crowd, that's, That's when you're like, what the hell is going on? And this is like an embarrassment of why am I paying attention to this? Like, what is wrong with me that I am actually going out of my way to see this right now? Um, and again, that doesn't happen unless you put an actual good product on the field. Probably going to take trades, probably going to be exactly what Pat just brought up. You're going to need to bring in start uh, starting pitchers that way. So like literally do anything to just avoid that at this point. If you want to start like having the Savannah Bananas play the Red Sox in order to get people in the park, sure. Why not uh, have a scrimmage like every Sunday afternoon after the Sunday matinee game? I like I just figure out a way to get people in the park. That's all I want. I want a nice, fun Fenway Park. It's gonna be it. it's gonna be hard, Coop, because like you said, Celtics are gonna make a deep run. It's gonna be cold to start. Back in 2013, people didn't buy into that team until like September. Yeah, and it's been so long 
since they've had multiple good years in or like 20, throw 2021 out. Before that, they hadn't been competitive since 18. It's been a long time since fans have had a team they can believe in. It's going to take until at least midway through the summer. And that's if they're really good. And in this division, even if they're really good, I don't know if the record is going to show that. So I don't know if people are going to show like it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot. Yeah, but Gordo, hopefully it's a fun summer. I don't know. Gordo, before you go, I think I have found the last Red Sox big money starting pitching contract. Don't say Justin Masterson. It doesn't count. It's not. <laughs> December 16th, 2009. 2009. So going he into 2010. On the 13 team. On the 13 team. Not Lester, not Buckles, PV. Lackey? Lackey. Lackey. John Lackey. Lackey. Five years, yes. 82.5. Yeah. And if you're, if you're John Henry and you're looking back on that deal, are you, like, happy about it? I would yes. say he's probably... I, I, as a fan, I'm happy about it, but I feel like John Henry probably looks back at the David Price contract and isn't happy about it. And I'm as a, as a fan, I'm happy about that. Oh, if the Lackey Red Sox and, don't win in 2013, Lackey's a waste of a contract. I'm very but, confident. In well, that. but they did. But they did. Let me elaborate. That's the Let thing. Me elaborate. Like, Let me elaborate. I think John Henry probably looks back at that fondly because of that Tommy John clause they put in his contract. Where if he got Tommy John, he got a year at five hundred thousand added to his contract, and they turned that into friend of the program Joe Kelly and Alan. Hell Gray. yeah, let's go! That Big awesome. contract. That contract. That Butterfly contract effect. made careers, man. Butterfly effect. <laughs> we are hey, we are not all here in with our dear friend Rob. We're not um, without without that contract. We're not. It's so true. Shout it actually out John is. <laughs> Shout out, shout out the lack man. <laughs> hey, Joe Kelly's wife is most likely not getting a Porsche without John Lackey. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. He doesn't wrong. win a world, right? He may not right? even I mean, have like, ever, he may not have ever transitioned to the bullpen. He like, yeah. have, like who knows? And then he wouldn't have won the world series. If you don't, he wouldn't have gone to pedigree. the Dodgers. Yeah. This is a whole ripple effect, man. It's a whole ripple effect. What a right. I'll do mine. Mine's pretty quick and it's kind of related to Pats. I just, my New Year's resolution for the Red Sox is to maintain the North Star mindset, but actually be smart about it. Like Heim said the North Star thing, and it basically, to him, or at least based on his actions, it just meant we're going to hoard prospects and keep everything so that we never make any sacrifices to the future. When I say the North Star mindset, I think the North Star is having a deep core of young position players, a constant flow of that, having a full rotation of controllable starters that you're not, so you're not going to have to continue shelling out Giolito type one year, 20 type contracts every year, and then have tons of bullpen depth coming through the minors up to the majors, all controllable guys, all young. And getting to that North star is not that difficult, but you got to be creative and bold in trades. And it starts with, as Pat said, getting that young controllable starter. Everything comes like not even just one step, like several steps closer to falling into place if you just get that guy and just do it, do it without having this tunnel vision mindset. Cause obviously it's it's super important to get it done, but it's also important to get it done in making the right trade. And in my opinion, 
that means not trading one of your big three prospects, Meyer, Teal, Anthony. I just don't want to do it. I know a lot of people wow, are way so more you're, open you're to off it. the trading Marcelo Meyer train? I've never been on the train. I've been open and I'm still open to it in the right deal. Like if they're talking Kirby, like I'll talk anybody for Kirby. But I think there's a way to get a close to frontline starter without trading those guys. You can put together a good package involving one of your good high upside swingmen, one of your outfielders like Jaron Duran, I bet has the highest trade value of any of those young outfielders. You do that. Plus, obviously, Nick York is very expendable at this point, And maybe you trade Miguel Blaze. Like the, the package of those four, like that could get you a lot. So, yeah, basically get the best young controllable starter you can without getting those three. If it's not possible to do it without getting those three, I'm open to it. But I think this this team is built to have those guys all come up and kind of anchor this team in a similar way to like Mookie and Benny and Xander and Jackie and all those guys. Like that's that's what I see. In that. And it's really not that far away. All of them have the potential to be up by the end of 2025 or 2024 and certainly by early 2025. So eye on that. Get a young controllable starter who can pitch while those guys are in the bigs. You move. It will be good. Even if ownership won't spend, the team will be good in the near future. We just got to have the right vision and get there. I believe in that. And I believe in you, Gordo. I just want Thank you, that. Coop. Hey, I'm running for president. So okay, if you want to well, help me with my campaign, I may, hey, I may not need it. If I can give speeches like that. But I mean, I any, any I, help is necessary. I got you. I, I'm pretty good at knocking door or to door. I used to do it in a past life. Ooh, summers what spent we doing? just canvassing. I had a friend who used to go door to door selling knives. What were you selling? I thought you were about to say like I had like a friend like that also did that. I was like, shout out Chris, which I shout out Chris anyways. Shout out Chris. Wouldn't surprise me Chris. Chris has done that. Oh, I. I know he's done that for Kathy. We're just doxing <laughs> yeah. his entire existence right now. Um, but with that, you guys want to move on to some enough sets, wrap this up because I'm about to lose a lung. Let's go. Yeah, Coop, I'm proud of you for still uh, hanging in there. Let's get you some enough set and get you get you to bed. Uh, so real quick, I'm going to do our drawing for whoever won the hat. Um, yeah. We attempted to do this at the beginning, and then I had a coughing fit. Uh, so we had many people enter. If you do not recall, before the holiday uh official league sent us some hats um i decided hey let's spread some holiday and cheer and, and give one out uh they're very fresh i'm not going to pick one up because i don't want to i know it, i'm not going to get into the whole thing i just don't want to cough on a hat um but you can go back go go to our twitter and go look at what the hats are if you missed out on that but it's also an example of why you always should listen to enough said because we might have a little something going on uh so we're just going to spin a wheel real quick and see who wins. And we've got Matthew Corey. Shout out Matthew Corey. Um, oh, yeah. I'm pretty Shout sure out. you're the one that's in Minnesota. He's uh, pesky report. <laughs> no way. Oh, is he pesky? Okay. Uh, he's pesky report. They had me on. He's, he's a good dude. I like. Shout him. out Matthew. I don't know why I just can. I, COVID brain. Um, but I'll Coop get that out to you. Don't send What's it that? out yet. Don't no, send it I out won't yet. send it out yet. I will, <laughs> oh, if I just send him a box full of COVID, that'd be sweet. Congrats <laughs> on the hat. And here's your Congrats. reward, buddy. You win. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll I'll hit you up, Matthew. Uh, thank you for playing along. Thank you for rating, and thank you for subscribing. And if you haven't done that, 
go out and do that. If you rate five stars, you can literally comment whatever you want. You can make fun of Pat. Um, I would. He has really dipped off in his fitness. Um, no, I'm joking. I love you. You're looking, <laughs> you're looking as hot as ever. Um, but real quick, I'm going to get to my enough said. I got to bring this up because I it, it was hilarious. So for those who have not been following along the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays beat as of late, uh, a one Wander Franco, a generational talent uh, that decides to try and date below his generation, uh, he got arrested. And in the same breath of him getting arrested and being on the run in the Dominican Republic for just being an all-time scumbag, uh, Greg Ehrenberg, I want to make sure I have that right. It's at Greg or G.E. or G. Ehrenberg, whatever. Um, You can find it somehow. I'll tweet it out with this. Uh, But he opened a Topps pack and the tweet actually goes, two years ago, my brother won a Topps Redemption for a random piece of MLB memorabilia from an all-star player. Yesterday, it finally came in the mail. They sent him a pair of pants used by Wander Franco. The pictures are included. <laughs> Wander Franco's name is on the actual patch and everything. Uh, he said, I'm actually nervous that this could be a piece of evidence, which is hilarious. He goes on to like, he comments below a little bit more. The reveal was funny because my brother is with his wife's family for the holidays. So I picked up the package for him. And then we FaceTime to reveal what they sent him. Uh, additionally, the <laughs> players. So for those that are wondering how this could ever get sent out, uh, the players selected what was sent out from their own personal collection, which was which or which was what made me wonder if Wander actually could have done this to get rid of some evidence. Uh, a little <laughs> bit of a stretch, but that's just hilarious. Like, no, wrong also, with that. like the hindsight of like tops to not be like should be counter with something else uh a little bit i don't know like tops hasn't had a good year they had a, I, i'm a big card head i like pulling cards i don't know what's going on with my computer right now i don't know if it's freaking out on your screen as well no, you're good now you sound all right good. cool random things are just popping up um but yeah like i would maybe demand something cooler to be sent back like i don't know like a one-of-one shohei otani card um but yeah it's been a, it's been a tough year for tops Hopefully in 2024, they can put out some better products. I'm rooting for you. I'm not rooting for Wander. Hopefully that guy gets locked up for, if not 20, forever. (laughs) Uh, So with that, I yield my time. Shout out to Greg for an incredible story there. I hope you get a little bit of karma your way and Tops does send you something good. That's absolutely, that is, that is the best. When you sent that tweet to us, that's just the best tweet I've ever seen. Outlandish. It's just, and he put it perfectly too. He's like, I have having evidence like, yeah, that, that shit got me. That got he me. just kept like people would be like, is there anything on it? And he goes, well, there are stains. Oh, uh, there was one. Someone questioned because uh, there is the sizing on it. Uh, how is he 36 inseam at 510? Or am I reading that tag wrong? Well, he just simply. Res- yeah. Yeah. Which, hey. Nothing wrong with a little little thickness around the waist. Nothing bad yeah. with that. Hey. This is the again resolution time get in shape 36 inch waist brace face he's gonna have plenty of time in the prison yard to slim down yeah hell yeah um gordo you want me to go yeah you go for it pat all right um mine's like i i feel like every week i preface with i feel bad but this time like i really don't i don't know how sammy does it because 
very rarely will I tweet out from my own personal account or who says no. The I am sick and tired of not only like Red Sox like fans, but like the other fans who overvalue every single person in the organization. Don't I I do hope we don't trade Kenley Jansen. Like I am very comfortable with him being our closer. When I put out a who says no with Kenley Jansen, it's because it's something that's floating. And personally, I do think he gets traded. I traded him to the Mets for their number 12 prospect. You would have thought I offered current day Pablo Sandoval for Shohei Otani. <laughs> I had Red Sox fans like, well, what, what, what's the, why are we trading Kenley? Like, oh, just punt already. Guys, it's a rumor. I don't control it. I'm not the GM. I'm just putting it out there. Then somehow, some way, actually, shout out Evan. I think he's got from Evan. It was definitely because producer Evan of Baseball yeah, is Boring. Yeah, shout out producer Evan of Baseball is Boring. Um, he he commented. It was like, ah, this is like a tough one. I'm like, all right, cool. Appreciate it. Looked out at my phone. I got fucking anonymous Mets Twitter accounts. Like, in what world is $60 million one year Kelly Jansen worth? I don't even remember the guy's name. <laughs> and I'm like, they're like, I'd much rather give up a mid-level prospect. This guy's your number 12 ranked prospect. That is the definition of mid-level prospect. <laughs> like, he's a stud. He's nasty. He probably is. Like, he genuinely might be pretty good. Maybe next year he opens up in the top, I don't know, seven, eight. But at this point in time, to act like that, I'm not asking for Kevin Parada. I'm not asking asking for Luis Angel Acuna. I literally mocked Kenley Jansen, who the Mets have shown interest in, for the definition of a mid-level prospect, and you would have thought I shot someone's relative. It was insane. So I guess my enough said is, Hypotheticals are hypotheticals for a reason. Lighten up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pat, I had that when we did our Who Says No episode and I posted my Sox Padres trade. And I, I will admit at this point, it was light. Padres, and I know pa- Padres Twitter is pretty soft. I've heard that around. But oh my God, they were insufferable with that. It was days. It was insane. So yeah, the Who Says No, people, uh, people really get irked with the Who Says No thing. Like, Oh, yeah. It's fun, but it's at the same time, like, holy crap, lighten up. I had one guy, when we did the Who Says No for Baseball Isn't Boring a few weeks back, uh, Gordo. Actually, was it last week? Yeah. Again, my brain last is week. mush. Uh, I did kind of like, I I did a I did a trade that was like meant to be like a little bit of a head scratcher and get people being like, yo, what? Um, I thought people liked your deal. It honestly wasn't bad, but I had one, like, I, it was some random like account no face to it no real name to it a guy that's a complete coward if he's listening right now um <laughs> that just like instantly went what do you mean like is Duvall's not on the team how are you trading him and i was just like oh pop on the episode if you want to hear what's up because guess what i don't get paid based oh, on oh my god freaking no, this was this was this i don't was on their episode i get paid based on this fuck, so go fucking four. listen to the podcast so was like you it can't summarize in three? Where seconds, it was like it was my Duval like, like sign and trade. Yeah, 
in this guy. It's like, like, no, go listen to the podcast because you might enjoy something else that's in it. Hypotheticals. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. I hate people like that. I'm sorry. And it's also here's here's something that irks me. All right, we're just doing the this is this is Festivus now. We're just doing our grievances. Um, What's your red flag no. on Red Sox Twitter? Don't just say no. Give me a fucking response. Like Chris Murphy. <laughs> exactly. Like I'll take that at least. Like give me something that I can actually respond to other than that. Otherwise, you're just wasting my time. I'm not going to pay any attention to you. Like you're just commenting you're to throw at... random words out into the blue. <laughs> I know you're looking, you looking at what I just saw. This is the Korean right-hander signed with the Padres and his name is Wu Suk Go. I've never Wu heard of this Suk guy. Go? What? <laughs> this guy's name is Korean right-hander Wu Suk Go is close to signing with the Padres, likely to be their closer. What in the world? I I did not I've never heard of this guy. And he's going to be their closer? Didn't they just sign a, they signed yeah, they Matsui signed, from um, Japan. Matsui. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, on that note, I'll go to my enough said. This one's a little bit more positive. Okay, this is good. My enough said is that I don't think that Red Sox fans quite understand what they have in Cutter Crawford. And I'm glad he got some buzz on Twitter today. It started, I think, with uh, Jordan Leandre, who had a tweet up there basically saying that if, if Cutter Crawford were on the Mariners, we would all be saying, oh, this guy's like future ace, like untouchable. Like the only guy we'll take for him is Jackson Holiday. like anyone else, nothing. And if he's on the Red Sox, it's like, oh, put him in the bullpen. And later in the day, Baseball Prospectus wrote a piece on him and basically said his fastball compares to Zach Wheeler, Shohei Otani, and Garrett Cole. And Pakoda projects him next year to have a 3-5 ERA. So trustworthy people, trustworthy everything, they all like Cutter Crawford. I read this and I got hyped, so I started doing some digging. And I was looking at his, at his, base, or his uh, Savant page, not just at the little uh, hot cold charts at the top. I was going a little bit deeper into the pitch types. He pitched in 31 games, 23 of which were starts, and he had a 404 ERA, but his expected ERA was 325. And obviously the metrics looked good if you pull up that page. But if you dig a little deeper, there's been some talk on Twitter lately, starter or reliever. And first thing I think of when I hear that conversation, starter or reliever, is does the guy have three above av- or three average or better pitches? Like pitches you can use in games and not get your shit wrecked. Like that's that's the issue with how because he had two really good pitches, but he tried to develop that change up and it just wasn't happening. Uh, so TBD on if he can get that third pitch going. But Cutter has six pitches that he used over six percent of the time last year. He's got fastball, cutter, curve, split, slider, sweeper. Fastball last year was elite. He threw it the most of any of his pitches by a lot, and he had a 164 batting average against there. And then next. This is where it gets interesting because, as we said, he was pretty good last year. But next, he threw his cutter the second most, and that pitch got hit pretty hard. He had a 287 batting average against. Like, that might be – his name might be Cutter, but his cutter isn't very good. And then he then third most, he threw his curve. He threw that third most, and he, he, he got rocked throwing that pitch. He, he They hit 340 against his curve last year, all right? So two of the top three pitches that he threw got hit pretty hard. Now, the three pitches he threw the least, splitter, slider, sweeper, he threw them all between 6 and 8% of the time, but they had batting average against of 209, 128, and 190. So basically, 
He was really good last year. He's got the pitch mix to be a starter. And there's a bunch of untapped potential, both in terms of we saw him kind of fall off later in games, you know, as he topped 80 pitches. He just wasn't the same after that. But at the same time as that, like we see young guys overcome that all the time as they as they progress through their years in the bigs. They're able to last longer in games. They're able to throw more innings during the season. They're better in September than they were in, in previous years. But at the same time, this is a guy who, if he adjusts his pitch mix a little bit, like get rid of that curve. You have six pitches. We don't, we don't need that curve. You've got breaking balls. Change that pitch mix. Get a little bit stronger later in games and later in the season. I just think the Sox could have a guy here. And we talk about Breslow's favorite stat, that in-zone whiff rate. Cutter last year was 18th out of 172 pitchers who threw at least 80 innings last year. So he's the 90th percentile amongst starting pitchers who threw at least 80 innings in Craig Breslow's favorite stat, that in-zone swing and miss rate. So I get that the body type doesn't scream starting pitcher, but this guy should get every every opportunity to start for the Sox. I, I think the idea of having him in the bullpen is crazy. I see a lot of people say that they think he's got the ceiling of like a number four. I don't think that at all. Like, maybe I'm in the in the minority here, but a couple years, like when it's all said and done, like give us ten years down the road, I would not be surprised at all if Cutter Crawford pulled a couple of All Star seasons out of his ass. So that's just where I'm at. I'm putting that out there today. Cutter Crawford, Gordo is on the Cutter Crawford hype train in the starting rotation. I hope he gets one of those one of those five spots. I hope they bring in a couple of guys. I would trade Pavetta, make Cutter Crawford your five. I believe in Cutter. Mark it down today. Uh, saying this on January 2nd, 2024, Cutter Crawford is a guy. Wow. Yeah, I think... I don't disagree with you. I think it's negligent to say that he is... He, by the end of this offseason going into spring training, I think it would be incredibly stupid to say that Cutter Crawford does not have a fighting chance at a rotation spot. And I'm not talking about the five spot. Like, I think he, he might start the year at the four, depending on how the rest of the offseason shakes out. That being said, he's an analytics darling through one, like, I would call this like one full season. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he what I don't even remember. He, oh, yeah. He was up and making starts because all the pitchers got hurt in 2022. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was like, it was partial. Like it wasn't like he wasn't there. Yeah, yet. like he, he wasn't. Ready. I have it up. He threw twenty-one games, twelve starts, and twenty-two. And then Sounds last year right. he started twenty-three games, but appeared in thirty-one. So my th- thought process here is if they have some internal belief that he might not be a legit starting piece moving forward. I think you have to look at including him in like a bigger package. Um, he w- I agree. I, I, don't, I don't think he's the centerpiece to anything big. That being said, could you diminish what might be a Marcelo Mayer in a deal? Could you talk that down to maybe a Sedan Rafaela if you include Cutter Crawford? Like I think using him as leverage in knowing that teams around the league are aware of what the analytics say about him, he'll be 28 on opening day. Listen, I, 
if your options, if you, if you're the Red Sox and you don't believe in him as a starter, if that's where they're at, if they don't think the body can hold up, there is definitely there are definitely several teams out there that do Absolutely. believe in it. So do not put him in the pen. Don't put him in the pen and limit his ceiling there. If you're not yeah. going to start him, if you don't think he's that, sell high now. But I just I think he is that. I hope he's in their rotation. If they're dealing from that young Cooper, like I hope they deal. I would deal Pavetta sooner. I'd deal Hauk sooner. Like I, yeah, I'm big on this guy. The more the yeah. more you look into it, the more there is to like. Yeah, I think I think Cutter is wildly over or sorry underrated. He pitched. I just read a stat line. It was thirty games, twenty three starts. He had a barely over four ERA, albeit he wasn't going crazy deep into games. He's giving you four or five innings, but. If he comes in in spring training and he feels good, he felt like the workload was tolerable, he can go do a little bit more. I think he's a perfectly fine five. Like and all that's the what these young guys do. It the they, takes some time out. to build it up. Yeah. Like the the report came out today about like he has a very similar fastball kind of growth as Garrett Cole. Is he throwing it as hard as Garrett Cole? Absolutely not. But if you can fool a hitter, I mean, we've seen so many guys, not even like, like you, if you can fool a hitter with a sub 98 fastball, but it's deceiving, it's got some run, you hide it well coming out of the arm slot. It's crazy because people are like, he's throwing 94. How can't you hit this guy? Because it's deceiving. It plays Remember Koji? Well. Remember exactly. Koji? Exactly. Like, and... I think he has some very valuable tools. I think there's definitely a higher ceiling than people think. I think his floor is like a very good bullpen arm. I think his ceiling is like a very good number three, maybe, or very good number four, maybe a number three in a rotation. That being said, if you are not 100% positive that this guy right here is a valuable rotation piece down the line moving forward, you have to capitalize while people are realizing his value. You can't take the risk of throwing him in the rotation. He sucks. You have to put him in the bullpen because then you run into the, I, I would say the Tanner Houck dilemma. Like if they moved him two, three years ago when people still thought he had starter upside, it's true. he had some real trade value. So if you have any internal doubt right now about Tanner Houck, you pounce on his value. You have to. It's It's stupid not to. Yep, I think any of these guys who are viewed as starters, if you don't view them as a starter, I think you got to capitalize on that. But, yep, Cutter Crawford, guy. Guy. Uh, on that, we're going to wrap it up because I've officially lost my voice. Uh, <laughs> thanks for bearing through this, uh, guys. Thank you for carrying it. Um, again, episode 21 of Play Tessie. If you're not already subscribed, Go ahead, go over to the the Odyssey app. That's where we prefer you to be. But if you're not and you're on the Apple Podcast app, if you're on Spotify listening to your podcast, if you're over on Google Podcasts like a little weirdo, still love you, but go subscribe. We we appreciate when you do that. It helps us out a little bit. So you scratch our back, we're going to scratch your back. Um, so for that, we'll see you Friday. Friday, we'll see you. Coops a trooper. Totalo.